Please like and subscribe, rate and review the podcast on whatever listening platform you're using, and let me know what you think in the comments. What's up, everybody? Welcome to an episode of The Boss Sauce. Today, I have Kate on the pod. She is the owner and founder of Spolandia, a Las Vegas-based spa here in Vegas. Kate, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So, Kate, let's just dive right into it. Can you tell us about why you started Spolandia and basically your journey into creating it? Sure. Yeah, I've always been interested in... I've always known that I I like to help people. People feel comfortable around me. Um, and um, I noticed that I do have a knack for selling, I think, because of those things, because you know I genuinely want to help people. So they feel that energy. Um, and I worked at a lot of um, retail... Uh, I have like a large retail background. I look, uh, worked for a lot of corporations. And I just noticed that if things don't line up, you know, if I if I can't feel 100% ethical in what I'm doing, the passion isn't there anymore. So I um, got my advanced license and I just kind of was like, well, if I want full control over my business and my life, this is what I have to do. So that's kind of where it all started with Spalandia. I love that. What made you want to venture into this world of um, like aesthetic and skincare? I think that I knew that it was a safe market. I um, it's recession proof. Um, you know, we're living longer, so it's um, it's one of those necessities of modern day life that you, we have to take care of our skin. Um, it's very linked towards your mental health, towards your overall health, um, and it's also quite a fun industry as well. So it was something that I was interested in. Um, but I also just think that, you know, we're starting to compare ourselves. We're seeing these celebrities that like are barely aging, right? Like Jennifer Lopez, um, you know, you you name them out there, they're in their 50s and they look like they're in their 30s. So your average person is kind of looking at them and, and feeling bad about themselves. So I kind of wanted to bridge that gap as... It, you know, in the middle that this isn't just like a luxury for the super elite, um, but this is for every your everyday person. You know, how can I give those results to your everyday person? It's kind of the passion. I absolutely love that. And I love that you mentioned that it's recession proof because I read somewhere that during the COVID pandemic that people were actually still spending a lot of money on their appearances. Like mm-hmm. they would cut back on different expenses and um what, like things that weren't really necessary, but when it came to the way they look, they were still spending that money to get their hair done, to get um, like skin treatments, all those types of things. So I like that you had mentioned that. Um, what made you choose to go towards like more of an entrepreneurial route versus working for um, another spa here in Vegas or maybe even one of the hotel spas? You know, I was thinking about that because I think that is a smart move. You know, um, you work for someone else, you build up your clientele, and then you go into your own space. I think that that's actually a super smart move. It works for a lot of people. Um, And it's probably less nerve wracking than what I did was I just kind of was like, okay, I'm just going to go in this full speed ahead. Um, And I think with me... I think because, you know, I do have ADD, um, so I am very neurodivergent. So I just got to a point in my life where I was, it was really hard for me to try to fit into these corporations and they didn't know what to do with me. They would, you know, they would recognize some of my superpowers with ADD, but then the other things would, would just scare them. And I just, I think I got to the point where I'm, 
I just need full control, you know, and then it's only then that I really have that full passion as well, because I know that if something's not sitting well with, um, with what I'm offering or the services or even the type of way that I'm selling, I can just change that. You know, I don't have to listen to anyone above me that will, you know, um, tell me what to do basically. So I think that's why I went the route that I did. I love that because you can definitely create your own path and basically do things your way in a way that works for you. Yeah. I can cater my business to me instead of trying to fit, you know, be like a round peg trying to fit into a square hole my whole life. Now I'm just like, okay, I can cater. I have enough control where I can cater this to where it works for me. Yeah. Do do you have, or did you come from like a family with entrepreneurial um, backgrounds or were your parents entrepreneurs at all? Yeah. You know what? It's funny that you mentioned that because I'm having a lot of reflection in my life right now. Um, And I never really valued what my parents did growing up because that was just, it was an everyday life. Like my dad had his own um, home construction business. My mom had her own cleaning business. So for me, this was just like how everyone grew up, like in my mind. And now I'm realizing that the skills that like I learned growing up, not a lot of people have those skills. So I'm like so fortunate, you know, growing up thinking like, oh, you know, like me looking at other families, like, oh, they they look like they have, you know, more things together and they have these pre- prestigious jobs in these huge corporations, whereas my parents just have their own small businesses. And now I look back on it and I'm like, these, these were just lessons that I've learned that um, I don't know if any other school or any other place could teach me the things, you know, it's just like, like that get up and go like, Hey, you know, that work ethic that's kind of been ingrained with me. And, um, it's also funny, like some of the best memories that I have growing up are like going to my mom's clients' houses and uh, cleaning, learning about their lives. You know, I wouldn't say snooping, but like, you know, you get a really like close personal look into people's lives and you become kind of like part of their lives being their, uh, you know, cleaning person. So I think that that's where the, the entrepreneurial seed kind of started was definitely early on. Thanks for sharing that. I think that's super powerful because you basically grew up around that. We're able to see like your your two parents like basically making money for themselves. And mm-hmm. would you say that they kind of helped mentor you throughout your journey with starting Spallandia? Well, you know, I yeah, I will say um there was some advice that I didn't take that my mom um gave me that I don't really want to delve into too much. Um, but I didn't listen and moms are always right. And I did learn the hard way with that. But yeah, I would say that my mom, I, I kind of like would update her a little bit like, Hey, this is what I'm doing. Um, you know, but I didn't want to really rely on her for everything. Um, but yeah, she actually still lives in Pennsylvania. So she kind of was like helping from afar, but um she's she's actually planning on moving out this way so i i'm i can't wait because then i'm really going to like i've done enough myself to where i can be like okay i'm ready for help now like i'm not too proud to at this point to ask for you know her advice and what she thinks i can't wait to like show her the place and i think i just wanted to have a certain level of it already done before i introduced her and and you know kind of really relied on more and more um, mentorship from her yeah, and that's understandable. 
Um, but that's awesome because then you'll get more support since she'll be closer here mm-hmm. to you. Um, but can you walk us through your journey with Spallandia and like from how you started everything to getting clients? I would say so. Um, I think that at the very start, what kind of initially made me realize, hey, this is something that I should do um, was I actually had under eye filler that went a little wrong. So they don't actually do under eye filler anymore. Um, most most people because it could bubble up. It could create like a Tyndall effect where it makes your under eyes actually look a little bit more grayer. Um, so Anyway, that was one of like the first things that I ever did just because I, I was always looking tired. Um, so I I went, I had that done and it bubbled up. So I just had these like very large bubbles underneath my eyes. Um, it was a disaster. And um, so they dissolved the filler under my eyes. And then I was left with like this loose skin. So this, I learned the reason why people spend so much on eye creams. And like, I would laugh at before, like, why would you just put moisturizer, you know? And um, because it's a very delicate area of your skin and it's a super difficult place to fix, especially if you have like loose skin and whatnot. So I kind of just delved in like super hardcore to skincare, super hardcore to all the treatments that I can get. Like, what can I do? And um, I started talking to my fiance like almost every day about it. And I found out about procedures like um, microneedling and PRP injections and um, even the plasma pen. And so I would just started talking to him like, isn't this so cool? Like it, we we can get to a point where, you know, aging isn't such a... Um, such a sad thing anymore. Aging can be like, you know, we we're just looking our like our best selves longer and longer. So he turned to me and he was like, why don't you just, you're so passionate about this. Why don't you go into it? Like, why don't you do this full time? Why don't you do this as a career? And it's so funny how sometimes that doesn't really click. Like your passions you put in this category. And sometimes you have to have that person that's just like, um, hello, like, why don't you just go into this full time? And so that was the first time I was like, you know what? You're right. So I, um, and having ADD, like I've always put like secondary education might not be in my, um, like something that I could do or, you know, unless I'm very interested in it, like college can be college, you know, I, I might not be able to finish it or whatnot. Like this is all the things that have been through my head throughout my life. So, um, I looked into school and he's like, you know, just go and look at schools. Don't sign up for the first day. Well, of course I signed up the first day. (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, Hey, no regrets. Sometimes you just, you, you got to ride that wave of excitement. It all worked out in the end. Um, I got my licensure and, uh, after school, I was still a little too nervous to go, to go in. Cause I'm like, I still, you know, schooling, I don't feel like, you know, schooling's just like fundamentals. You don't know, you know, they, they, they can't teach you everything. Right. Um, sure. even had a, even though I had like, you know, a lot of business sense and whatnot, I was still too afraid. And I had a lot of imposter syndrome, um, a lot of low confidence, like, who am I? Like, do I really, you know, it, unless I feel like I know everything, it's hard for me to be super confident in, in what I'm doing. So I went back into like retail management, worked in a couple companies. And then it wasn't until, um, the last company that I worked for that just, it just wasn't, um, 
you know, it just didn't align with my ethics like fully. And so I started to lose the passion. And then that's whenever I was like, okay, it's either this or nothing like this. I have to make this work for me to be like happy and healthy and, you know, all those things. So it was kind of like, you know, a a rock and a hard place (laughs) when I finally decided to just go full force. Yeah. 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 So I I would say that that was probably like your make, make or break moment, right? That light bulb just went off in your head. Um, Was that... That that um going into retail was that after you got your um like esthetician license? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I got my esthetician license, and I think I also just wanted after school. You kind of you know because it costs so much money. Like I went to school for full time, and I kind of I wanted to just get back and start making money again, and kind of figure out like okay, trying to get my bearings. And just kind of, um, it also takes me quite a while to like process information. So like I can learn something and I like to just sit with it. And then I like to dive in and do my own research and just kind of like get a really good base foundation before I like move on to the, to the next thing. So I think that's what I was doing as well. Like I was just like taking a break, trying to digest like everything I learned at school, trying to like formulate like if I do have my own business, what do I want it to look like? Or do I want to work for someone else for a little bit in this, um, in, in this skincare industry and then go off my own. But, um, I chose not to do that and just to go off on my own, um, in aesthetics, just because whenever you, when you work for someone else, um, you just don't have a lot of, you don't have a lot of control of the products that you use and you don't have a lot of control over the procedures that you can perform. And for me, that's everything. Like I can't get excited about, for instance, in school, whenever we would do waxing, the the wax was like super old, super cheap. It would break. I was like, this is not for me, but fast forward to now, you know, I have the right products. I have the, the right um, techniques. And so it's like, Hey, waxing is actually pretty awesome. So how do you determine what types of products to use in your spa? It's definitely trial and error, word of mouth. It's like a, it's like a, a deep dive on the internet, seeing what other people have. Um, it's easier than ever to get products. So, um, especially like with your esthetician's license, like you, you can get things that, um, other people can't. Um, so I basically just, sometimes, you know, I end up buying like a whole bunch of things and just trying it on myself and seeing what I like the best. Cause that is, that's the hard part, like trying to find the particular things that work. Um, and then you have to keep in mind, you know, just because it works on your skin, it's not going to work on everyone's skin. So you have to, um, like for instance, with acneic skin, you know, I have a couple of friends of mine that are kind of like my guinea pigs. And um, so I use the products that I'll get, like new products that I get on them. Thank God for them. Cause otherwise I don't, you know, I don't know what I would do. Cause I would never feel that confidence to then put it on a, a paying client unless I had some guinea pigs. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. kind of what I was curious about since there's so many different skincare products out there from different stores. Oh, yeah. And then mm-hmm. there's so many different skin types, like oily combination skin. So I was just wondering like how exactly like you um, like vetted the certain products um, that you used for your services. Um, but um, speaking of services, um, how do you determine how to price your services compared to your competitors? I pretty much, I try not to 
I try not to focus on competition as much. Um, there was a quote someone said, you know, what if Rihanna never went into the makeup industry because it, she felt that it was oversaturated, right? Because there's a lot, a lot of makeup, you know. Sure. Um, yeah. So, but. It, it, so I try not to think about that too much, but I do see like what everybody else is doing. Um, and I try to price accordingly, but then I look at also my cost. So I don't get too worried about if somebody's, you know, charging, um, a really low amount for a facial. Um, I, I try to, I try to make things as reasonable and affordable for it. Cause that's kind of like my goal. Like I want everybody to be able to afford what's considered like a luxury. Um, but at the same time, if it's if it's something that just can't be done with the products, I'm not going to get like lesser products just to make that price go down. So I kind of like just sort of meet in the middle to where I have prices that are very competitive, but I don't worry too much about like dipping super low. Um, and then I work with with people too. Like let's say they they don't have um, the funds right now. Um, there's different programs that I'm rolling out like cherry where they can uh, do it installments. And also if they're willing to come and like make a video or do some posts or something, I'm like, Hey, you know what? That's what I need for my business anyway. So let's do an exchange or let's do something like that. Yeah. And I love that you had, had brought that up because, um, cause obviously that's how we met. It was through like content creation mm -hmm. and, um, like showcasing your videos or showcasing your, your products and services for videos. Mm -hmm. um, social media obviously is super important in mm -hmm. terms of your business. How integral would you say that social media has been in bringing in <clears throat> clients and revenue? I would say it's literally everything. At least the way that I started, you know, my business, I know that the companies that I've worked for before, they've spent um, like just on me alone for marketing would be like $10,000 in three months. They had a marketing budget of, I know they spent at least like $30,000, $40,000. And I didn't have that for marketing. So, and my overhead, you know, is, is quite low. It's not extraordinary. Um, it, it adds up in the beginning very fast, but I was like, you know what, I want to see what I can do just kind of on my own. And, um, but I would say almost a hundred percent of all my clientele has come from Instagram. Now, granted, I, that is the only social media platform that I'm really on like full time, I would say like I've kind of dabbled in TikTok a little bit and I wanted to do all the things, but I said, Hey, you know what, if I'm just going to focus on one thing, the, th the, the platform that I feel the most comfortable in, um, and just see where it takes me. And, um, so that's what I started doing. I just started kind of like cold messaging with people like you and, you know, some of them worked out and some of them didn't, but at the same time, it, it allowed me to to get better at my services, to not be as nervous because whenever people like you, you know, come in, they understand like, oh, you're a new business. And like you, we really have that heart to heart. And like, you know, we're still figuring out how to, I remember whenever you came in and you were like, oh, I'm thinking about doing some UGC. And I was like, what's that? <laughs> so you were nice enough to kind of just like walk me through user generated content creation. This is what it is. And then once you explain, I'm like, oh yeah, I know what that is, you know? And, um, it was just so invaluable. Like all the little tidbits that, you know, you mentored me on, especially in the beginning was just everything. 
Um, so yeah, social media is where I, I haven't paid for any ads. Um, I think at the beginning I, tr- I tried with, with Instagram, like I did try, I spent like maybe $20 and then another 30 and I kept trying these little, these little ads and literally nothing happened for me. Now, I don't know if it happens for other people, but for me, it was a combination of like cold messaging people like you, um, and just hearting people's stories. And then whoever follows you, then you message them and ask them if they're interested in a service or, you know, come in and go from there. Yeah. And I think the big part of that too, is having like that organic content, Mm -hmm. um, mixed in with some paid ads. Sure. I think that can definitely help, but I think the organic content is what's really going to get people and future clients to see that you're trustworthy and basically showcase like what you can do for them mm-hmm. and why they should go to you. Um, but I absolutely love how you said that almost hundred percent of your um, clientele has come from Instagram. Mm-hmm. At what point were you like, I need to get on social media. Like my business has to be on social media. I think from the very beginning, I knew that it in this day and age, you have to be on social media. People will not even trust you. If, if you're not on social media, they don't consider you a real business. And that's understandable because it's it's fairly simple, right? To just have a profile, have a couple pictures, um, you know, and that those are just, I think, the the very minimum expectations that people have if they're going to trust you, especially with something as important as their face, you know? So I knew from the beginning, even though this was something that I always had in my head, like, I'm not good at, I don't know what I'm doing, you know? Um, But I was like, it's, it was never something that I was like, well, um, I could get away with not having like, no, I have to have this. And um, that's actually, even whenever I was in school, they, you know, they say like, and it's so important, create a page, you know, just from school and take pictures of everything you're doing because people want to see growth. Like just because, you know, you think like, wow, this is the first time that I've ever done a facial or this is the first time. It's okay. Cause people are going to see, it's just like in an artist portfolio, you always keep, even if you don't like your, you know, artists are notorious for like ripping out their old art, like that's trash, but it's actually important to keep that because people can see your growth. So they see the art that you created and then they see the art that you create now. So you want to keep that because then they know that, oh, this, you're just going to keep getting better. This is the growth. Um, so in school, that's whenever I created, I came up with the name of Spalandia and just created a page. And then whenever, you know, every everything kind of started forming together, it was really nice because your mind's full of so many things that even coming up with something as simple as a name is really, you know, a lot on your plate. So I like went back and I'm like, oh, you know what? I created a little page. It only had like, I think maybe like five followers for, you know, my other um, esthetician, um, the other esthetician students, but it was something, you know, it was a name and five followers and, and just started, you know, just started messaging, posting and what I call harding, which is just harding people's stories, which I think is is really important because um, anytime that I think you're trying to make a connection with someone, I think the best thing to do is be interested in what they're doing. And so Harding, I think, is a good way to do that, where it it it's saying like, hey, I'm also interested. I'm not just coming here to see like what I can get from you. I also want to see what you're doing or what you're interested in. And then people are, I think, a lot more likely to 
take the time out of their day and see what you're doing. 100%. And I also learned in a social media course that I've taken in the past in order to get engagement, you have to give engagement. Mm -hmm. And it's, I feel like a lot of the times with social media, it can be very selfish and all about you. But in reality, Mm -hmm. you know, like, I think that the purpose of like what you're doing is to serve others. And I feel Mm -hmm. like that's just such a big part of it. But I absolutely love that in school, they had taught you that you need to build a page, like basically start a brand. Um, Just because people, like you said, do like to see like the progression and Mm -hmm. what you're capable of. But I think people also want to see different, um, not testimonials per se, but more like the the different types of clients that you've done, the different work that you've done. So Mm -hmm. it really just serves, like you said, as a portfolio. Um, But social media is definitely, I want to say easy, but I think the most important part is just taking that step. And just doing it and kind of learning along the way. Um, right now, are you managing the social, um, your social media completely on your own? Or have you um, like outsourced to like a, um, like a virtual assistant or like using a scheduling app or anything like that? I am doing it completely on my own right now. But as I'm getting busier and busier, I am, you know, just starting. We're um, so Spalandia is a business that's under a, a larger business called Skinology. And so we actually just had a meeting this morning and, um, you know, we're, we're looking into possibly getting a social media manager, you know, instead of us trying to figure it out all on our own and making those expensive mistakes, it's like, Hey, why don't we just bring on an expert? Why don't we just, you know, someone that we vibe with and, and someone that can just like sit us down and, and say, well, I would recommend this because, we don't just from what you have taught me, like I know a little bit, but even, you know, knowing something and actually sticking to that are two different things too. Because whenever you told me, you're like, you know, get on a, a see whenever your, your followers are active. And I was like, okay, I can, I can do a post every day at seven. I, I don't even know how to like schedule a post. So I was like, I'll show you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this is why I need you. Because then it's like, then I know that I'm doing everything that I can in this aspect. And it's a very important, it's a, it's a fundamental aspect of, you know, any business across the board. So yeah, we might, we might be um roping you in to try to, you know, help us with these things and almost being an accountability partner too. And um, I feel like, you know, you really have your, your ear to the floor and you know, all the new things and all the new algorithms. So if we try to do that now, we're going to be, we're going to be so far behind because then we get caught up in our own section, you know, sectors of what we need to be doing. So having a social media manager is definitely like the next thing that's on our list to where, Hey, this is what we need. And it's going to be a lot, I think a lot less stress off of me. So (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank mm-hmm. you for those kind words. Um, we'll definitely talk more later, but I mm-hmm. I think everyone knows that I think that social media is super important when it comes to business, just because it is the new way of marketing these days. People mm-hmm. don't really watch as much TV as they used to. It's usually more um, like scrolling on reels or even YouTube shorts. I yeah. read somewhere that people are even watching less Netflix now and are spending more time on YouTube, which I think is super interesting. Yeah. But it, it is, it's just a whole other world that I think um, 
is a great investment, especially if you're um, an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, and earlier we mentioned content creators coming in and basically promoting like Spellandia services mm-hmm. um, in exchange for the service, things like that. Um, what do you do if a content creator or influencer doesn't meet their end of the deal. Are you a small business owner looking for a social media manager, UGC creator, or short form video editor? Well, those are some of the services that I offer. Go to reneesworry.com for more. Now, I'm probably not the best person to ask because I... So I... The way that I, you know, kind of ran that aspect is because I knew so little, especially at the beginning, I didn't even know like what parameters to to put and i so so what i did was i just kind of if someone looked interesting like i didn't even know what i was looking for like honestly i think i saw your picture and i was like oh colorful like <laughs> she knows what she's doing and i saw your contents and i i you know and i messaged you and i messaged i think about like 10 or 20 other people and um i looked at it this way hey even if they don't like i wanted to see what they came up with like I didn't put a time, I didn't put like any parameters. And um, I also just wanted to like sort of get in the mode of doing services and being busy. Like, can I handle five or six clients in a day? Can I, you know, without actually having paying clients come in? So for me, it was it was really helping with a lot of different aspects. So I didn't really put parameters in. I I um I do a little bit more now. Um, where I was like, you know, I, I would like a real now that I know what I I, you know, what you're called. (laughs) Yeah. So, but at the beginning, I just kind of let the pieces fall where they did. Um, and I didn't mind if some people, you know, some people I did have to remind like, Hey, you know, uh, when, when is that post going to be up or or whatnot? But I was pretty lax, I will say, and just kind of let them do their own thing. Some people just did like a picture. Um, but, uh, but it's one of those things where it's okay if, if that didn't work out because sometimes the vibes aren't there you know? And so then it just is kind of like, okay, well, that might've been like a one and done type of thing, or maybe, you know, turn them into paying clients, offer them that, but not necessarily do like keep doing, um, you know, free services in exchange for a post. So I just kind of like let the pieces fall where, where they did and didn't really set up a whole lot of parameters at first and just kind of free, free falled. (laughs) Yeah. And I think when you're starting out, um, it's all kind of learn as you go. And Mm -hmm. my experience from working with other brands in the past too, is you kind of figure out who you work well with and, and, you know, like if the roles are switched, like you would um, see which content creators or influencers work best with you. And overall with um, like social media and um, creating content for Spallandia, um, are there any specific processes that you go through or a certain workflow when it comes to creating your own content for your Instagram page? I would say I, I like to stack things, especially if you're like the owner and the CEO, like you have to be all things. And I think what helped with me or what the system that I kind of had in place. So I would go to different pages, like mostly restaurants of restaurants, I think that, you know, in in the local area that would have a lot of like the clientele that would like my services. So it'd be like Gabby Cafe or I love Cafe Lola. I love that place. Yeah. Like girly places, I think have been. Um, there's also one uh, that's right by my house. It's called 
baby bird cafe. That's super, super cute place. I'll have to show you. Um, and then I would just go through their followers and I would like the stories that I, you know, found interesting as I'm doing that. I'm also seeing like what everybody else is sharing, what's going on in the world. You know, I kind of replaced my like doom scrolling with that. And so that's how I got like, you know, most of the followers, um, so I would say that's where I get most of my ideas. And then also from doing that, um, any of the skincare pages I would follow. And so um, it's a little bit overwhelming for me to, I have made a couple videos and I'm getting really, I'm getting so much more comp, um, confident and comfortable doing that. So now it's just like a part of my routine, but I definitely like to stack things up. So like whenever I'm doing a service, if it's a service that's not like a facial, that's really relaxing, um, then I'll just, you know, I'll have my, my iPhone recording the whole thing and I'll make contents that way. But I would say that, um, you know, Harding people's stories has really given me like the, the base of what I'm going, the content that I'm going to share. You know, you mentioned that you're the only one um, doing the social media for Spallandia. How do you balance working on your business, servicing clients, as well as doing the marketing side of it? I would say just stacking, you know, just learning how to do, instead of just doing, um, like for instance, whenever a content creator comes in for an exchange service, we're making, you know, they're, they're helping me make um, contents. So then I don't have to worry as much about that. Um, and then just combining the, you know, the hearting of other people's stories with, if I find something that I like, I share that. So it's like, I'm kind of doing like two or three things in one and just kind of finding those, just trying to stack as many things on top of each other at the same time. That's really what has worked for me. Do you do anything in terms of like, making a list or certain tasks or trying to like do time blocks or anything in terms of time management? So with AD, ADD, that's always a super difficult thing, but I have been getting into a rhythm. So before, you know, if um, I would have different appointments, like I would just show up to the studio a couple minutes before that appointment. Now I, you know, our business hours are nine to five, but they're by appointment only. But even that, um, I just, you know, I say, hey, I'm going to be at the studio from nine to five every day. And that helps me get out of the house. It helps me not be distracted from my cats and, you know, all of the other things that I have to do around the house and just prioritize, prioritize my business first. Because I feel like if you prioritize your business first, um, then everything else will fall in in line. So I, um, you know, I wake up usually around like seven or eight and I like to get to the studio around like 8.30 every day. And that's really been been working out for me. And then whenever I, I close up like my laptop at five, I'm like, okay, I'm, I go home now. And sometimes I still have to do a little bit more work. Like if I'm, uh, instead of watching TV anymore, like usually I'll, I'll have like my fiance and I will sit and we'll watch TV, but I'm sitting there harding. But um, with ADD, the cool thing, too, is we can usually do things. We usually work best whenever we're doing two things at one time anyway. So um, it's kind of that's kind of like what I've found to, to work with my schedule as of right now. Mm -hmm. I love that you mentioned that you made this commitment to yourself to go to um, the studio or the spa from mm -hmm. nine to five every day, even if there aren't clients, because you're. Um, dedicating that time. I think 
that's one of the most challenging parts about being an entrepreneur is that when you do have um, things that you need to do, nobody is making you do those things. I think it takes a lot of discipline and effort and really just um, devoting yourself to your business. How, how much do you think that mindset has a play into you being a business owner? Yeah, you, I mean, that, that's everything you really have to, I think that it's easiest whenever you find something that you like. And for me, it's like, I get to, for me, it just kind of comes naturally. Like it doesn't really feel like work most of the time. And I think it's also just because you, whenever you have your own business, you can kind of control like the people that are coming in, you know, there, there's times that people come in and they're, I'm not right for them and vice versa. And like, that's okay. But I think that it's, it's exciting for me. It's not hard for me to like get up in the morning and be like, okay, I'm going to the studio, especially because the, um, the coworkers that I have as well, it's, it's like such an exciting time. So we have all these other rooms and for a while it was just Spalandia and, um, Carolina skincare. So (laughs) she took her time and finding, you know, the other, uh, the other businesses for the other rooms, but now we have uh, sunless tanning and we have nails and we have lash extensions and we also have like a permanent makeup artist. So now it's just like, Hey, it's kind of like going to like a girl party every day. So that, that definitely makes it a lot easier. Cause I know in the past I've struggled with being disciplined, you know, and I'm, I'm still trying to, instead of the next thing on my list, you just take it step by step too. like the next thing on my list is I'm, I want to wake up and I want to be the, that type of person that exercises in the morning, you know, um, and starts the day off there. But I tell you what, there should be a party for me. If I become that person, I'm going to be super, super excited. But uh, you just have to, you know, you just have to make small adjustments and really reward yourself for even those small things like, hey, you know, today I, I was down there from nine to five. And tomorrow I'm going to, too, and just really celebrate those small wins because they're going to turn into your normal habit and then it's not going to feel hard at all. That's super uh, motivational. What advice do you have for people that are thinking about becoming business owners or entrepreneurs, but aren't sure they want to take that leap yet because of because they're unsure of how much work it's going to take or how much discipline it'll take. Mm -hmm. I definitely think that, so, you know, if you take a step every day and you look back, you know, eventually you you've walked a mile. So I would definitely suggest like, Hey, what's one thing that you can do today that's going to put you closer to that goal? Because a lot of people are like, Oh, they look at this list of all the things that they have to do and they get overwhelmed and then they just stop. It's like, no, there's actually so much that you could do that is getting you towards your goal. So let's say you wanted, you know, to do something like me where you're opening up your own, you know, small business, start on social media, start, um, make your page and start hearting people's stories, start gathering people up. And, you know, a lot of people might say, oh, but I don't have anything to show them. That's okay. People can get excited. Like, and especially now, I think that that is the thing. People love seeing the series and the journeys like, hey, this is my goal for 10 years from now, this is the first step I'm going to be repainting my room to make it feel like a spa, you know? Um, and I, I would do a lot of those things. That's, that's kind of how I manifest things is like for my room at home, I was like, okay, I started before I had a, uh, I had a room, um, 
with Carolina skincare under Skinology, I started painting my room at home. Like what colors do I want? I started putting the decor in there. So then whenever I did have my room, I just kind of moved everything in and it already, I already was comfortable. I already was like manifesting and envisioning myself in this space, the people that I would attract, um, the services that I would do. So if you, if you break these big goals down and you just start doing those, all of a sudden things just kind of roll and fall into place. But the, the biggest thing is just manifesting that. And also just showing up, putting yourself out there. Like if you just make that promise to yourself, like, hey, I, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to show up today. You know, I think that, a lo- that, that there's a lot of power in that. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that putting the work in along with believing in yourself and that you can do it. Mm-hmm. I think that's just going to accelerate the process and really mm-hmm. get you to your goals. And earlier we touched on imposter syndrome. How do you face imposter syndrome or what do you do to overcome it? I think the biggest thing, cause I definitely suffer from that um, in, in terms of this business. Um, but something I learned in school that's really helped me and this just plays in my mind all the time is I had a, a really great teacher tell me the worst thing that can happen to an esthetician is whenever they get comfortable, when they think that they know it all. And that was just such a relief because I suffer from like the opposite end where even the things that I do know, and especially being such an an ever evolving, you know, um, field, you really have to just constantly be learning and constantly being a student. So I just, I just hear her words in my mind whenever I I'm feeling like, oh, I'm an imposter. I don't know what I'm talking about. I could be so much better. I just say like, Hey, that's what makes me a good esthetician because I don't feel overly confident. Like people aren't just a number and people aren't just a sale. People are like, um, it's like we're growing together and, and, um, always say humble and that, that sort of thing. So I, I remind myself that, Hey, I'll, I'll take imposter syndrome over feeling overly confident doing a service and saying like, Oh, bye, you know, like whatever your name is, see you later, you know? So, um, I think, I think that, um, I use that as sort of like a positive, like to keep me humble a little bit, like, yeah, you know what, probably feel that way because you don't know everything. So this is, this is whenever you start making connections with other people, you know, like elephant skincare or, um, like other estheticians and, um, you know, you just keep learning. So don't think of it like you have to sort of make, you have to like build yourself up in like, um, you know, read a self-help book or not, not that those are bad or anything, but it's like, okay, no, you can, you can deal with that imposter syndrome by saying like, this is kind of a good thing. You know, this keeps me humble. Yeah, exactly. And I think too, with um, getting comfortable, um, I love that you had mentioned that that's like, um, um, an esthetician's demise because mm-hmm. pretty much it's it's like you not continuing um, to learn like the newest treatments out there or mm-hmm. learning like the newest products or things like that because you're you're, you're staying stagnant is yeah. what it is is that you're you're not moving forward and if you stay like that then two years from now and you're still like that there could be other people other estheticians that have surpassed you in the yeah. field because they're offering um, the newest innovations and technologies um, mm-hmm. in the skincare world. Um, 
and like you said, I, um, staying humble, I, I, I like that a lot because it, I think that can only do, um, do good for you. And it's, like you said, it's not about like people being a number. It's definitely about like serving like a purpose to your mm-hmm. clients and making them feel good. Um, what would you say has been the hardest part about starting Spallandia? I would say, I would say being, feeling overwhelmed just with everything and also feeling, feeling that uh, feeling of is all the hard work that I'm doing, is this, am I going to stick with this? Is it, is it going to fail? You know, and trying to quiet those voices. Um, And I, I just stay busy to try to quiet those voices. And I think that that's why, um, you know, a lot of people were like, oh, why, why are you doing exchange services? Like you should never do services for free and you should never do this and never do that. And um, everybody has their, you know, you should run your business the way that it feels comfortable for you. But I know for me, I'm the type of person that if I have the, the choice to like sit in traffic even though it's only like three minutes that I would have to sit and then I get to my destination or it's like six minutes, but I can just keep driving. Like even if it's like around, um, even if it takes me longer to get to that destination, like I have to be moving. And especially in the beginning, whenever I had those like doubts and those fears and those overwhelming thoughts and that anxiety, like, am I, am I going to fail? I would just shut that voice up by just keeping super busy. So like, you know, and it, and it was a little chaotic. It probably, you know, probably could have maybe not have been so busy. But at the same time, um, I whatever got me to this point right now, I'm happy with. So, um, so yeah, I would say that that's just my, like, find your own mode of, um, of things that works for you. But I would say that that's, that was the number one, just trying to quiet those voices at the beginning because it's nerve-wracking. Definitely. How do you stay motivated when, like you said, like you stay busy, but how do you stay motivated when business is slow? Like when there aren't as many clients coming in as you'd like? I try to. So this is actually like our slow period right now. Um, I try to, I I try to look at like things as a positive, like what are the positives? Like, okay, so I can do more things like this. Like I can, you know, it's perfectly in my schedule to come out and do a podcast or have more meetings so that we can plan. Like this is like the planning phase. And then um, after New Year's, everyone's like New Year, New Me. So then that's whenever they come and they get, you know, more skincare and we, we get into regimen like, okay, we're going to change you this year. Like let's start now. Um, so I would say just, you know, you just have to get into the habit of any anything that's not uh, or anything that's perceived as negative. It's like, OK, are there any positives in this? So, OK, yeah, you know what? It's the slower time of year. Don't let it get you down. Like work on the other things, plan, um, do more research, do more connections, do more networking and then um, prepare yourself for the busy season. So um, that's pretty much how I handle that. I love that. I noticed with um, like different entrepreneurs that I've had on the podcast, mm-hmm. I noticed that when it is slow, a lot of them utilize their time to start planning, like yeah. you had said, to launch a new clothing line or new products. And speaking of that, how do you prepare for the launch of new services? Um, for example, I saw your fall um, launch of different mm-hmm. like facials and things like that. 
It's actually been quite easy so far. Um, so one of the brands that I use is Circadia. They're like a professional skincare line and they make it super easy because they come out with their, you know, well in advance, they come out with their like pumpkin masks and everything. So I just, you know, order whatever they're going to be promoting. I'm like, hey, this is super easy for me. Get that, that product, you know, get the training on that service and then um, all of their contents I can just reshare. So that's that's been kind of like how I handle that. Um, it really doesn't take there's certain things that take a little bit more planning. Um, so like if I'm going to buy a, a new, you know, larger machine, um, which I'm actually glad that I haven't bought a lot of the, the machines that I wanted to in the beginning because I found out that, hey, you know what? I don't think that those work as well as what I'm already doing. Like um, there's something called a plasma pen, which um, I've seen people have great results, but um, after trying it for myself, I, I actually see better results with microneedling. So um, if, if I ever do want to have a plasma pen, like that would take a little bit more, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a very expensive machine. Um, if you get the good one at least, um, and then I would want to do a little bit more training. So those things you have to prepare a little bit more for, as opposed to, let's say the, the pumpkin facial that we just promoted, where that was just as simple as, um, you know, ordering some pumpkin facial products and some training materials. And then we literally were able to do it the next week. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Um, it sounds like a really streamlined process since you get it from like one, um, company, Mm -hmm. um, in terms of um, like creating like a menu of services and things that you provide, how do you determine what um, services that you want to offer for the business? I think that um, I, I mostly go off with like what has worked for me because I feel like um, if if it's worked for me and it's helped me get the results that I want, then I feel confident putting it on, on my menu. Um, but that's kind of how I, I, I go under the umbrella of, you know, there's different types of services. So there's like more relaxing and there's more results. Um, but I like to, I like to have for the most part, the services that combine those two. So if I don't have to cause you pain, I'm not going to cause you pain. I'm going to, because there, there's, um, there are companies in the industry you wouldn't believe, uh, for instance, like permanent hair removal, they will opt for the machine that actually uh, causes more pain only because they said that some people don't think that the one that's not causing pain is working as well. I'm completely against that. Like I would, I would rather people, I would rather just, you know, take that a little bit more time to explain like, Hey, you're not going to feel a lot of pain, but it's only, be it's still working and, and you'll see, and there's a guarantee, um, at the end, but I'm not going to unnecessarily cause you pain. <laughs> so yeah, whenever I'm adding services to my menu, I look at that, I look at, okay, what are the results and what's the, you know, is it, is it, is it the most relaxing it can be? then I'm, I'm going to put that on my menu. So that's kind of like the umbrella that I start with. And um, just try to always keep my my um, my ears to the ground, but also know that, hey, if something, if I know something has worked and it's, you know, and I've looked on the internet and I've talked with other providers and like, I don't just scrap that and go to the next shiny thing that's promising results. Like I have to know 
that those are actually delivering before I'll add them to the menu. And I usually test it on myself and like my guinea pigs before I'll, I'll put it officially. I love that. I love that because it, it, you're basically providing services that you know that works, but you definitely have the client in mind, especially since you mentioned that whole thing about um, another company um, providing a service that causes pain because the clients think that it'll, that it actually works versus one without pain. Um, So it sounds like you, you obviously have the client in mind. Mm -hmm. Um, What do you do if a client is unhappy with their service at at the end of the treatment? So I've been really lucky to be honest with you um, because I, whenever I first meet a client, like I let them know, hey, the first time that I'm treating you, um, it's, I have to really explore. I have to get to know your skin. I have to get to know what you want. So the first time that you get a procedure or a treatment, it's probably, you know, there's probably going to be this little room of next time you come back, like, hey, you know what? The last time that I had a hydrofacial, it was a little bit too, you know, it caused a little bit too much redness afterwards. And I said, okay, well then, you know, I'll, I'll go down a couple levels this time. Or if you're getting a lash lift, like, you know, this eye. So one of the things that comes to mind is I did have someone, one of their eyelids, I did a lash lift and one of their eyelids like fell before the other one. So I usually guarantee like some, something like that. It's a super easy fix. Like don't, you know, this obviously isn't on you. Um, just come in. We don't know exactly why it could be maybe just even the oils on her skin have caused that particular, you know, um, eye to kind of fall faster than the other one, the, the lashes that is. Um, so, you know, I just, I'm pretty flexible with that because like I'm, I'm an empath. So whenever people are happy, I'm happy. So on a selfish level of like want people to be happy. So I just have them come in and I can usually fit them in and, you know, fix what, whatever, if I can't fix it, you know, then I'll I'll do other methods that I haven't had to do yet. But um, whether that's a refund or a complimentary other service or something like that. But I, I usually do. I'm usually pretty good with letting them know, like, hey, I, I there is a certain level of learning and um, with every client and just to know that it will get better and to also have that open communication with me, not to feel bad if if you're, um, you know, you didn't want your bottom lashes tinted or something like that. Like, feel free to let me know. And then we'll just eventually get to where we have perfection, you know, and every time you come in, um, it's, it's exactly how you want it. Yeah. And that's awesome that you tell clients to have the open communication with you, because I think as an esthetician and as a business owner, it's only going to make you better and really help you perfect your craft. Absolutely. Um, so that the next time it's done, you can really um, make sure that it's going to work out 100% for mm-hmm. them. And uh, really love what you d- you're doing, Kate. Um, where do you see Spallandy in the future? So I always have, you know, super, like sometimes I go from like zero to 100. <laughs> That's just how my brain works. But I definitely think that there's a huge market for helping. So it's overwhelming. So a lot of estheticians, they never use the degree. And I think that's so sad. Like, you know, um, I've asked around, like, why is that? And some some of my teachers have told me, well, because it's not like, you know, it's usually under a year. 
degree like so a lot of people instead of college like they'll try to convince their their kids to go in and so they never they they weren't they weren't passionate about it so they never continue but a lot of times it's just that they have to have a certain amount of savings saved you have to it's very overwhelming um you know to start your own business so i think that in the future i might want to do something along the lines of sort of like a franchise where it's like you it takes a lot of the stress away from somebody that wants to start their own esthetician business. So they have control over a lot, but you're under this umbrella of, you know, Spalandia where we would send you like the very, you know, the equipment that you need and, um, you know, the brochures and the marketing and give you an outline of like what's worked for me, um, but also giving them, you know, some flexibility as well. But that's kind of where I see it. You know, I would like to help, like, I always like to help the small guys, you know, because I feel like, they're the underdogs. Yeah, I'm a sucker for I'm a sucker for the underdogs, and so I think that any way I can I can kind of do that I think would be probably the most exciting for me. Um, and the cool thing about uh, esthetician is we we uh, we can keep our overhead pretty low, so you know we just need a small room. That's really all we need to start with, um, and some basic supplies. And if I can help, I feel like that's a that's the biggest hurdle for a lot of people that want to do something like this, but they can't. So I think in the future, that's that's probably what I would like to do. I love that because you're kind of providing like a starter kit. Yeah. Very cool. And what would you say is your secret boss sauce with starting your own business and Spalandia and everything that you do? I would say the secret boss sauce would definitely be something as simple as you just go to the other businesses on Instagram and you just start hearting people because not only are you getting followers that way, um, but you're also, you're, you're learning, you know, you're learning your clientele. Um, and it's just an, I think it's an easy thing to do. Anyone can do it and you can do it whenever you're sitting down and watching TV you know, at first it felt like, oh, great. You know, I work all day and now I'm, sit, you know, I'm finally relaxing. But I realized, you know what? I would be on my phone anyway and I'd just be scrolling. So now it's just instead of scrolling, I'm just <laughs> harding. But it's cool because I, I get to find out what's happening. Like whenever the spear, um, when the spear was in Vegas, like everyone was sharing that. Or if, you know, if the Raiders are doing well, I know when they're doing well, or I know, you know, and it's just, it's interesting. Like I've met a lot of people through there and I would say that if there's one thing like su super simple, that's what I would say. Like start doing your, I call them like little heart attacks. And um, that's kind of my little secret boss sauce. I love it. And any advice for um, any um, aspiring estheticians wanting to start their own business? Um, one thing that kind of randomly comes to mind too is don't, don't put all your eggs in like your friends and family basket. And, you know, um, I've, I've been super lucky. Like they definitely, you know, came through for me, but I didn't rely on them because there's just some like psychology where they, they're, they're, Sometimes they project onto you too, like whenever people are trying to do something and they get scared, like because they're too scared to do things, you know, start a business. So don't expect like just if your friends and family aren't like coming up to the plate like you thought, don't don't get, um, 
you know, upset by that. Just look for other people because there's going to be other people that come in that understand your business too. That's a lot. And that's another thing is a lot of your friends and family, like they don't understand, they're not passionate about like what you're doing. So they can only help so much. But I feel like a lot of people, they get discouraged. They're like, well, my friends and family aren't helping me and they're not supporting me. No, find your support, find your enthusiasm elsewhere. Don't discount them. Just don't like rely on them. Um, but I would say that and uh, just just make little steps. Keep learning. Keep keep networking. Um, and just build it little bit by little bit. Like, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. Your business isn't going to be built in a day. Um, really cherish your like OG first clients. Really cherish all of that because that's your, you know, you're building a foundation. Even if you can only see the first, you know, couple rows of bricks, like you're, you are, you have to see the whole vision. Like you're building, um, you know, an entire empire. You just might only be able to see the first couple layers. Kate, I respect the hustle. Mm -hmm. So many wise, wise, wise words. Tell everyone where they can find you and where they can book your services. Okay, you can find me at uh, 9484 West Flamingo Road on um, the intersection uh, between 215 and West Flamingo. Um, we're right by, if you know, Knock v. Law, we're right by there. Uh, we're also kind of known as, as the speakeasy spa, so we're a little bit hard to find physically. But if you go on Instagram, it's just at underscore Spalandia underscore. And uh, just DM me and we'll go from there. And there you have it. Kate, thank you so much for being on The Boss Sauce and providing so much wisdom and great advice. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. All right. We'll see you next time, everyone.